This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is Stag Stories, the podcast for the fans, by the fans, where former players, coaches and managers recall their time at Mansfield Town FC and reveal all from the inside of the times we all saw from the terraces. This week's guest is former frontman Paul Connor, who joins us by the magic of telephone. This week's episode was recorded in audio form only from my back bedroom, aka the Mansfield Matters podcast studio, on Wednesday the 3rd of July. So sit back and enjoy another trip down memory lane as Paul Connor reveals his stag stories. Welcome to the Mansfield Matters podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Well, because Mansfield Matters. It's time to take another trip down memory lane. It's time for another Stags Stories. The last one was with Martin Riley, who revealed perhaps a little bit too much, especially about the infamous Tunnel of Death. If you've missed that, go ahead to our website, mcfcmatters.co.uk, and check that out in there in full. There's two parts. That is an absolutely fantastic uh, couple of episodes, and I'm sure that today's is going to be the same again. Joining me uh, in our little studio, it's the first time, by the way, we should probably say this before we go any further, that we've actually done just an audio version. We do like to do the video versions, but sometimes we can't all be in the same place at once. So by the magic of technology and a little bit of blue tack and a shoestring, we've pulled all this together to bring you a, the first ever Mansfield Matters podcast just as a podcast. That is so weird uh, to say that. Alongside me, uh, we've got the usual suspects of Cam. How are you? You well? Yeah, all good. Fantastic stuff. I'm not going to talk to you too much because you always hog the limelight. You're doing a much important job for me tonight. Uh, The man who is escaping from the nappies tonight, Simon Mercer. How are the kids, first and foremost? Not bothered about you. How are the two boys? Yeah, they're good. Future strikers in the making? Yeah. That could come in handy. Get some tips tonight. (laughs) And we've also got... Mr. Nathan Edge as well. No podcast is complete without Nathan on the panel. How are you, mate? Thank you. It makes me feel special. I'm good, thanks. How are you? That's it's all down here from all downhill from here. So there you go. Uh, right then, without further ado, let's talk about the man who we've got on the other end of the phone tonight, many, many miles away, but still joining us to talk all about his time at the Stags. It's a man who, without the help of the Stags faithful, would never have donned a stag shirt. 18 months as a stag in the amber and blue, plenty of goals and helped to get all the way to Wembley and played in an infamous game which all of us, including the man on the line and a certain Tyrone Thompson, will never want to remember. Tough, because we're going to talk about it tonight, that hazing yedding defeat all those years ago. It is, of course, Paul Connor. Cam, it was just about your time because you are only about 12. Can you remember, Paul? This is going to be very awkward considering he's on the line. Yep, remember it. Um... It was, it was just that time where I was starting to really, really get into the football. I'd been going for a few seasons and it was just another one of them players where it's just like, was one of the players at the club at the time. And, and it was just a fantastic time to be around the club. Fair enough, there were a few things that went off at the club at the time. Obviously being locked out of the ground and everything like that. But the getting to Wembley and the whole 
um, the day in Luton and just to just how that game happened and just one of the players that you will remember from that season is the the men that got us to Wembley. I mentioned it at the time, Si, as well. He was a massive contribution from the Stags fans to actually get him towards the club. Do you think that's perhaps why the Stags fans took him to heart so early on? Yeah, and um, we always like a decent goal scorer as well. So um, with him banging some goals in, it, it always helps. Nath, <laughs> he was involved in that game, uh, the Hayes and Yedding game. What do you, what's your that's probably going to be described as a, a low light of his stakes career with the red card? Uh, what would you think would be his highlight? Getting us to Wembley and contributing with those goals in the FA Trophy has got to be up there, surely, hasn't it? I, I'd imagine so. Yeah, I mean that was um, a massive part of our history as a football club, even though we didn't go on to win. Uh, and I imagine it might be for, for for the players' point of view as well. So it'd be interesting to uh, to hear that story of uh, you know what it actually meant for players to be able to go there and be on that journey. Well, that's about three minutes of us talking and everybody's not tuning in to listen to us. So we'll, we'll say uh, hello to him. Paul, very good evening to you. How are you, my friend? You, you doing well? Hi, guys. Yeah, spot on. Thank you. Fan- well. Fantastic stuff. Give us a bit of a, an overview then about what Paul Connor is currently up to and has been up to since leaving Mansfield. What seems like it must be about eight years or so ago now since you actually departed the Stags. It is, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for reminding me that. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's gone quick, to be honest. Um, Mansfield was my last sort of professional club. I went on to Gainsborough after that. Um, it was just basically, I wasn't. I was out of favour with Paul Cox at the time, and uh, I got a good chance to go and play part time and try and sort of carve out a career out of football. So I, I went and took it. Um, ended up in a sales job. I am now doing a degree, and I'm training to be a podiatrist, believe it or not. So, Fantastic um, stuff. And still playing as well. I saw on Twitter you're something... What is it now? You're 20-something pre-season? You're 20-something pre-season? Yeah, I'm still involved. I've, uh, I've had a club called West Auckland Town. we in the, the Northern League in, in the northeast of England. Uh, first World Cup winners, believe it or not. If, if you want to go and check out some history, uh, go and have a look at that. Um Really love it, enjoy it, still fit, uh, but don't play as much. More assistant manager now. Fantastic stuff. Uh, an eye on a managerial role in the future, do you think? Is that the, the way you want yeah. to go? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I didn't when I was playing. I hated it. I hated the thought of it. But um, now I've been involved in, the, in in that side, the technical side, It's um, I, I've really enjoyed it. So, yes, I'd say I definitely want to be a manager now. Fantastic stuff. Well, let's go all the way back to the start. It's nine years ago when you first signed for Mansfield. How did the move come about, if you can recall those those days? Yeah, um, the, the move came about. I was I was actually I'd been training with Kidderminster, and I was on my way down in the car to sign for them. Um, I'd done pre-season. I'd been released off Lincoln, um, so I had an injury hit season. So I, I'd sort of jumped at the chance to go and get playing again. And I got a call from it was David Oldsworth. Um, he'd been speaking to an ex-teammate of mine, uh, Leon Britton. Um, I don't know how that came around, whether they knew each other. Um, Knowing Oldsworth, he was probably trying to sign him. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe there's a bit of wheel and dealing going on there, trying to get him in. But he said he was after a forwards. Uh, Leon dropped my name in, and he said, you want to come for a chat? So that was it, spun the car around the, on the motorway and uh, and headed back to Mansfield. And um, that's that's how it came around, really. David David Oldsworth has a bit of a reputation with uh, the Stags faithfuls as not just a wheeler dealer, but the man who changed the front door at the one course stadium in favour of revolving doors. I think he made something near to 100 signings Mm. in his his time. From Mm. a player's perspective who's who's signed from him, how did he sell the club to you? Because he, he must have had something to sign so many players. Look, to be honest, the club itself sold it to me. I was living in Lincoln at the time. So it, it was ideal for me anywhere that the journey I could commute. But it was the club itself. I'd played sort of Mansfield, I don't know, maybe four or five times for various clubs. And I'd never won there. And it, it was always struck me with, you know, with a new stand. It was like a proper football club. So he didn't really have to sell the club to me. Um, it, it was, once I'd signed, I sort of started finding out little things about the, sort of the financial side of it at the time. 
but the, the club itself, um, I, I was always coming there as soon as I'd heard there was a bit of interest. So it's funny uh, you mentioned. It that. It's funny that you mentioned the finance side of things because for many Mansfield fans and for all of us sat around this table, it's probably the worst time as a Stags mm-hmm. fan. We, we just got rid of our previous owner. There were three businessmen who, to be fair to them, did the best for the club on very limited mm-hmm. resources and. Uh, they clearly wanted to sell, sell and move on for the best of the club and it was very turbulent times. Your move actually came about because of the supporters uh, raising around £3,000 to contribute to your to your wage. Did you know much about that when you when you signed or was it afterwards that you found out about that? It, it was it was the day I signed. I'd sort of come in for like the usual uh, photos, bit of a um, bit of a medical fitness test, things like that. And um, I, I remember a big guy coming into the room uh, when I was signing, and, and and someone says, "Oh, this guy here, uh, he, he's paying your wages." So I thought, "How's this?" You know, it's, um, so it was, a, it was a, the financial officer, or he says, "No, I'm a, I'm a fan." It was uh, Paul Nyland, the, the guy who's he's actually commercial manager now. Yeah, he's, he's um, had a tremendous weight loss as well, Paul. He's he's been yeah, absolutely seen, fantastic. Photos. Yeah, he's done really well. Um, and what a nice guy! I just clicked with him straight away and. Give me a bit of a lowdown about the history of what they were doing, what they were trying to do. Um, it felt a little bit of pressure, to be honest. Um, as soon as I heard that, I mean, it was one of them. They've worked so hard, they raise the money. I can't let people down. So um, I think that that sort of click happened then with the, with the fans. Just sort of, I always, well, I worked hard anyway, but it was just to work as hard as I could. So yeah, it was a bit of pressure. If you'd have perhaps known that prior to putting pen to paper, would that? perhaps have made you look a little bit differently at the move and maybe consider the other offers, considering the pressure um, which came with it? Uh, it's, it didn't. I mean, it, it was one of them. I, I started, sort of, Paul gave me a little bit of his, like, sort of what was happening at the time. and The club was on hard times. And, and to be honest, the, the players didn't realise it till the season got going, how how tough it was and how how bad it was. I don't think it's a, no secret how close Mansfield were to... Sort of maybe he's going into administration, or you know, if they didn't get a buyer at the time, um, and it was starting to drip feed into the players, uh, sort of the dressing room, how bad it was. Do you think things like that do have an effect on, on the players? Because I think you, you look at the way Mansfield started that season, sort of how it, it, it panned out, it was probably one of the worst seasons. In fact, it was the worst place finish Mansfield have ever had. Does that play a, a part when you know about all these financial things? I mean, you look at clubs at the moment, like like Berry, for example, who players are leaving mm-hmm. left, right and centre. Does it play a part? It, it does, and it, it's... Um... It's sort of uncertainty. I, I remember the whole takeover thing. Um, we played York, I think it was, on the night. And the manager, it was David Olds, actually said, look, that's, the club's close to, to sort of fold me. It, it, it's, it's that bad. Um, there's a guy coming to watch you tonight. Um, he's thinking about buying the club. He's having a look at it. Um, and that was in the team talk. So you're thinking, oh, hell, you know, it's... Uh, he more or less said, you've got to play well tonight, put on a performance, otherwise this guy might not buy it and then there might not be a club. And then he went out, uh, played like Brazil, <laughs> beat, beat York 5-0. Um, I think it was one of the best performances of the season. Uh, it was John uh, John Radford who was in the crowd and, and he came down to training the next day and, and it was starting to go through. Um, and I, I don't think we won a game after that. <laughs> uh, when he took over for the next seven games, and I, I think at the time he probably thought, this is going to be watching that game and this is good. But then obviously, I think it really hit home how hard it was and how hard the club had been hit. Imagine that, the club being sold on false pretense. I'm just looking at the uh, the, the faces of, of, the, of the lads around the table tonight. Nath, just hearing that from, from Paul there, talking about how close it actually came, I think we all knew that there was a little bit of trouble, but I think we all believed because of the three that were there, the three amigos, uh, as they were dubbed at the time, that it, they'd never let it get that close. But do you ever think it, it came that close, Nath? Um, I, I think um, there was always that, Bit of interest from John at the time, and, and there, there was a rumour of of John for quite a while before he actually came to a game. And and I, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs totally. We weren't sort of in it in it that much, but it, it was drip feeding through that the club. I think it was the wrangle with the ground, wasn't it? At the time, was it the there was sort of issues with the owner, uh, the previous owner, still having the ground and things like that. 
Um, so all that uncertainty, where we're going to play and things, that started uh, to come into it. Nathan, I'm going to come across to you for a second because you're waving frantically at me. So I'm going to come across uh, to you. Did you ever realise that it had got that close to uh, the Stags being uh, null and void and a non-entity, so to speak? I mean, me personally at the time, no. Um, I knew, obviously, we was in a, a bad situation. We was all aware of that, especially um, you know, from the, the Keith Aslam era. Uh, and obviously, we, knew, we all knew that the... Like you say, the three emos had a, had a massive job on their hands, but I never actually ever really thought it, it was ever close to folding. And I think it's one of them that you probably would never ever think it's going to happen until it actually happens. But thankfully for us, you know, for us, that the John, John Radford did come to that game. Uh, masterclass stroke from uh, David Olds as well, putting that in his team well, talk. Well, you can't say masterclass and, I'm sorry, and David Olds within the I, same I, sentence. I, That's unacceptable. I knew, I knew I was Yellow card. Get, <laughs> I knew I was going to get shot down for that, but you know, if there's going to be a bit of credit from his time at Stags, there we go. He's going to have that one there. If you, if you don't like it, Craig. But um, masterclass there, got him to get get that five 0 win. And uh, you know, I, I mean, Radford obviously has been a Stags fan for the you know at the club for a long time, so. Um, it probably, hopefully, wasn't just the result that made him make up his mind. But if it did help any in any way, then what you know, what a great way to uh, to seal the deal in I'm, a way. I'm going to skip back a little bit, Paul, just before I end up slapping Nathan around the face for that for that comment about David Oldsworth being a good manager, um, and just uh, goes back to the very start of your uh, Stags career. You mentioned that there was a little bit of pressure there, when you felt the pressure to perform for the supporters. It comes to your debut against Forest Green. What a way to settle those nerves with a brace. Yeah, um, it sort of started in pre-season, really. I hit the ground. I done a lot of training because uh, I'd been injured, so I trained all the way through the summer and I hit the ground running in pre-season. I seem to remember getting a few goals in, in the friendlies. Um, and I was, I was going into the season confident, to be honest. it was um, The team seemed to suit how I liked to play. They, got, they had two fast wingers, um, young Ashley Keynes and uh, Adam Smith. Two quick wingers put balls in the box, and and I, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and that that game did sort of settle me down. Do you think looking looking back in terms of your professional career, because you said that obviously Mansfield was your last pro club, was that one of the best starts you'd made to the season? The most comfortable that you'd felt early doors, getting settled in, playing the way you wanted to play, and, and obviously getting the results. Yeah, um, we started well, didn't we? If I remember right, I think we. Apart from a, a game at Fleetwood where where we lost heavily, we I always think, got battered uh, at Fleetwood. It was by yeah, the by. Yeah, I think we won sort of four out in the first six games, something like that. It gave us a bit of confidence. Um, and it, I, I, I sort of had a bit of pressure anyway because I was thinking this is my last chance. I was 32 at the time, and I'd been injured for, for quite a while at Lincoln. So I, I did sort of think this: if I don't do it now, I'll, I'll, this could be my last club. Uh, or my last season, sorry. So, Am uh, I right in thinking at one point in your career, though, that you did have a quite hefty price tag attached to your name? Yeah, that, that could have helped. Uh, just going there with no expectations. Um, it, it was, that possibly could have helped. And um, But I think it was just the, the fitness thing. I, I felt good for the first time in a while. Um, and, and the team suited how I, how I liked the player. So um, it was just everything clicked. Let's uh, talk about David Holdsworth then, because uh, I think I'll bring you up to speed a little bit. Me and I started out as a, a journalist about the same time that David Holdsworth was manager, and he mm-hmm. we we didn't get on. He actually banned me from doing press conferences and, and all things like that. And there was other things which I'm not right. going to bring up on a, a public podcast. But uh, from a Stags fan's point of view, we always seem to have this spark about him. He will always start well, but then when things weren't going quite right would tend to bring in three or four players. But what was it like from a player's perspective? Um, you're possibly right there, what you said. Um, yeah, I liked him. As a, when I first went there, I, I thought, yeah, I could play for you. Um, I think I liked his standards. He sort of had high standards. Um, maybe it was, and I think it probably is. I mean, I'm not in contact with him now. I, I don't speak to him, but... Um, there was an overreaction, I think, in terms of sort of, right, you're out, you're out, you're out, and then you coming in, and then if that didn't work, there was another few out, and you don't really get a settled, a settled squad and sort of affects, uh, affects the, the team around, I think. Were you ever a little bit cautious about if you had a, a you know, a four or five game barren spell without scoring that your place might be under threat? 
because because of that? Um, a, a little bit. I mean, I never really. I think I'd started the season pretty well in in, in the goal. I was always up there in the, the top goal scorers, if I remember rightly. So I, I didn't really, I didn't really feel it was more more the centre halves. I think got it. Um, I don't know whether that was because. Uh, David was a, a centre half himself. I remember a lad. I can't even remember his name. He, he we played AFC Wimbledon at home, and I think we got beat three one, but we got battered. And um, the lad the next day, there's no questions asked. He, he was just out. He was gone. I, I can't remember his name, to be honest. And if you remember, off remember the top, that. off the top of my head, I, I, I wouldn't know. But I'm certainly gonna, I'm certainly gonna have a look because it's it's those examples, isn't it, which. I think for us, Si, as we talk, Simon, we felt those examples sometimes. It was always, it almost got to one stage of the season, didn't it, where we'd lose three or four nil and then we'd all be taking bets on who would be next out of the door. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It was it was one of them things where, you know, it, you know, it, one a midfielder or like Paul says, a, a centre-back could have a bad game and it's like, we won't see him next week. That, that's him done sort of thing. And it's like, what, who's he going to bring in? So, like you say, it was like a roller coaster and revolving door. It was always a, a very interesting time. You always kept you guessing and kept you uh, on your toes. That game where we lost 5-2, I'm just going to run through the team for that game for you, Paul, to see if any of these names uh, ring a bell in terms of the ones who were out the door. Uh, Alan Marriott was in goal, um, long-standing. Gary Silk was playing at right-back. I know exactly who it was by looking at this list. Uh, the captain was uh, Steve Foster. Chris Smith was his defensive Chris partner. Uh, it didn't get shipped out on loan to York or something yeah. like that. that. He just went. He, it was just one of them bad things. It was like um, he got absolutely hammered and then just we didn't see him. We didn't see him after that. <laughs> Did he ever contact? Did he ever contact you as a squad and say sorry, lads, or see it's been it's been great, lads? Or was it literally just he was? You know, here today, gone. gone tomorrow. Yeah, he was gone. Um, he, I don't even think he had a training session after that. Um, it, it was just like it was a bit of an eye-opening thing. Well, man, how that that, that can happen, you know? It's uh, especially for the defensive lads. I think you were on target in that game as well. Uh, I was, but we got battered. Five-two defeat. Yeah, I know we had something that. What was the score? Five-two. Five-two. Yeah. Five yeah. Two. Yeah. I think we. They were we, good side. Conceded after ten seconds in that game. Looking at, back at this this match report, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm laughing. At, I'm, la- I'm sorry. I'm laughing at Nathan and and, and Simon who were sitting opposite me, just absolutely laughing their heads off. And I am as well, Cam, because it, it just reminds you. Uh, some at some points in that season, we had highs, but my God, we had some lows, didn't we, Cam? Oh, definitely. Oh. And it, it, it's just sorry. It's alright. It's just that season was just a bit of a shambles. <laughs> and it and it wasn't even that the players did anything wrong. It was literally just the, the whole revolving door thing. It was like, obviously, like the whole Chris Smith thing. It was like it was gone pretty much instantly. It's like you know, no stability or inconsistency in the squad. And I wasn't. I, I think I'd have been. What what season was that? It'd have been the ten eleven season. Yeah, ten eleven. So I, I I'd have been eleven. I didn't really understand the whole thing about football, the the financial side of things. So I didn't really have that who's going to be the owner, where's the money going to come from. I was more focusing on the players and it was like, well, what's going wrong? Because it, some, everything was just going wrong that season and it, you, can't, you couldn't even pinpoint one thing that was going wrong because it was just a, an accumulation of things. Well, from that point, I'm just looking back over the, the fixtures, from that point onwards, uh, the 5-2 loss, then we lost to Rushton, drew with Darlington, beat FC Halifax in the FA Cup, got hammered by Crawley, uh, lost to Torquay in the FA Cup, managed to beat Kettering, uh, lost to Forest Green, beat Hazen Yedin just, drew one all with Wrexham, and then after that, that was the end of the uh, the, the Duncan Russell, uh, the David Holdsworth era, and Duncan Russell took charge. But at the same time, Paul, I don't know if you can remember this, it's when John Radford, as you say, had uh, just... Um, taken over he'd taken over the club he gave David Holdsworth time to try and build obviously the results didn't go for for him as you mentioned earlier um did you turn up to training one one day see the gates were locked find out you had a new man in charge what was that time like because it was absolutely crazy for us as supporters it was yeah I I think that's probably um I think the lads trusted in John uh to be honest I think he came in we had a meeting with him uh, him and Steve Park was his chief executive. 
straight away the lads took to them. Um, but I, I, I think he, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I think he might have underestimated what he took on. You, you sort of got that impression a little bit, especially with the, with the ground, whether we knew how bad that was. Um, just just everything, the manager. Um, and, and then he, he gave, if I remember right, he gave Duncan the, the job. He, did he give, him, he give him a trial run at it, didn't he? Yeah, I think he, thinking back, he gave him the caretaker, I think, until the issue with the ground was sorted out. And I think we managed to get mm-hmm. through the FA Trophy and, and, and do all right and everything. And he, he gave yeah, it to I the mean, end of the season. To, to be honest, Duncan, yeah, I mean, he, he came in and he, he was a good guy. You know, I know he's, he's passed away now. It's very, it's very sad. Um, he was a good guy. He, he just wasn't. He was a coach. He wasn't a football. He, he didn't have a football background. Um, and, and the guys, the lads in the dressing room, sort of, because he hadn't played at a decent level, sort of never really. He never really had that respect. But uh, like you see, he got the he got the results in the um, in the trophy. Yeah, it was, it's obviously very sad that he's no longer with us. He was a fantastic guy to, to work nice, with as well. Yeah. Really nice lovely, guy. Lovely man. Lovely man he was, yeah. Well he missed was. around the club as well. Um, yeah. Just going back to, to, to that time then, uh, of course, Radford comes in and, and as you, you mentioned there, you perhaps didn't know how much he, he'd taken on at that point. Obviously, since then, he's stuck with us, invested, managed to get us to... Uh, Skybet League Two, nearly into Skybet League One. What have you made of Mansfield's journey since uh, John Radford took over? Because you were there at the very, very start of that, those early routes. Yeah, um, I, I still follow it closely. I followed on Twitter. Um, I, I was a good friend of Steve O, uh, the, the media guy there. So I've seen how, how that's developed in terms of um, the publicity of the club. Um, I have to laugh, to be honest, because. When John took over uh, the pre-season, when Paul Cox came in, um, I look at the lads now, and they're getting picked up in Rolls Royces and ten days in Portugal. Uh, we played Boston and then night in Skegness. <laughs> oh, we so, know. Uh, <laughs> so the, the, the difference there straight away, uh, just even that sort of thing, the, the players must be loving it at the minute. Um, we 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 stayed in Faulty Towers, it was, and, and John actually stayed with us. So. We, um, it just shows he's down to earth as well. Though. We've certainly heard a few stories about the, that uh, Skegness uh, weekender from a, a certain <laughs> Martin Riley who was with us last time. Oh, Give us Paul Connor's account. It was just messy. I'd never been to Skegness before. It was a, a real eye-opener for me, to be honest. I think it was red hot, so everyone had um, been drinking all day. and um, It was just a real messy night out. Um, it was a lot of new signings, people like Riles and and uh, Greeny, I think, were on it. Um, I don't know whether Paul Cox picked that as because he actually thought it was a good night out, or mm-hmm. whether he was just testing the lads to say, "Right, lads, this is, we'll go here until you start being successful." And I, I do believe there was a bit of a, a bit of sort of um, mind games about it, the, the trip. Um, but the hotel was shocking, by the way. John, I don't know if John picked that, but uh, I think John had had a few and someone spotted him sort of wandering the corridors in his boxer shorts. So, um, <laughs> Dare you name uh, who? Or, that, or... That, just, that just sums the night up, really. <laughs> Dare you name the person who spotted him in his boxers? I can't remember. I can't. Our room with Mazza and me and Mazza were not, we were the elder, elder lads of the, the, the squad, so we were, we were knocking out Zeds, but I can't remember who it was now. It was, uh, def- he was definitely spotted sort of a little bit worse for wear wandering the corridors. What an experience that must have been. Were you, in, were yeah. you, you mentioned there that obviously you were rooming with Alan Marriott and the, the two elder statesmen of the squad, if you like. But when it came to the crunch, there was a big punch-up, which is well-publicised, uh, especially by Martin Riley in the last episode of this. Were you sitting back and watching, or, or were you straight in there? There was what, sorry? A punch-up. A, a big punch-up. In, in Skegness? In Skegness. Oh, I'd left. I had, I'd left the pub. I heard about it. Um, yeah, I'd just, I'd just moved on. I went to the next pub, so I'd, I was happy with that. And, uh, <laughs> the young lads and the, the hotheads go for that one. I was a bit too much chilled you... out, I think. Oh, um, dear. <laughs> but yeah, I can't give you... I can't give you... I don't even know who started that one. A chance of being Riles, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad drink as well. Oh, fantastic stuff. Absolutely love it. Uh, let's go back to uh, that, the previous season and, uh, and touch upon that. We'll talk about your uh, the end of your Stags career in a, in a a little while but we've moved on we've uh, 
managed to get back in the ground. John Radford's at the helm. Duncan Russell is, is the manager. We're progressing nicely uh, in the FA Trophy. You, If it wasn't for you, actually, as we look back over the games, Mansfield wouldn't have actually been near getting to Wembley. I think you finished as, as the top scorer for, for the Stags, definitely, in the trophy that year. I think you ended up scoring something like uh, five goals. Was there a, a belief from the start that Mansfield could, could get there, or, or was it just literally, oh, my God, it, it, it snowballed it, and all of a sudden we're in a semi-final? It did. It started building, to be honest. You felt, felt I think it was a two-leg. Two I think we beat Newport in one of the first games. And then after that, it started getting... It was sort of clear we weren't going to make the playoffs. Um, and, it, and to be fair to Duncan, he had, he had a good way about him for them cup games. Um, we had a nice build-up to us. We had some tough games, if I remember rightly. I think we were like Alfred and we were flying, a bit of a local derby. Um, that was a tough game at home. It was lashing down. I think we drew one all. And then it, it was a fantastic following up from Mansfield with the away game. I don't know if you were there, lads, at that Abs- game. Absolutely. Um, but it was it was a real sort of local sort of tussle, lad. I mean, um, but yeah, as I said, it did just. And it, but when we got Luton, I think it was in the semi final. We just thought, ah, oh, we were bare bones. In, in the the squad was bare bones going into them games. Um, a few lads had left. A few lads had been cup tied. So it was a. It wasn't. It wasn't an easy. Their path to the final. It was, it was one of those where there's there's a saying at, at Mansfield. I'm sure you heard it numerous times when you were at the club. There's an easy way, there's a hard way, and there's a Mansfield Town way. And we certainly did it the Mansfield yeah. Town way. The Alfton game, as you mentioned, that one or draw in in round three. The best game in that was the, the Newport one, the the four two, and obviously the five nil ever works up as you'd, you'd expect, but. The Alfreton one and then the quarterfinal against Chase Town. To go to a team like Chase Town, everybody on paper said this will be an easy game for Mansfield. Lo and behold, two all. It's a replay back at our place. The game which nobody wanted. It was an absolute nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, this broke up a bit there, but that's about the Chase Town game. Um, they'd beaten, I think they'd beat Grimsby in the round before, so we knew they had something uh, going to the game. So we weren't taking them lightly. I think we battered them the first half, going down the bank. Um, I scored probably one of my best goals at, when I was at Mansfield. Hit one from 30 yards, which was which was very rare. Um, it, it, but they were a decent side. They they were that was a, a right battle last. But I think we made easier work at, at home. So we we're just happy to get them back at home. To be honest. Let's go to that semi-final game uh, against Luton. You can and 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 talk about that. The first leg, I think, the first leg being at home at home massively helped. I think Danny Mitchley managed to get the only goal of the game with that one-nil scoreline going into that second leg just uh, a week or so later. Was the belief there that Wembley was in touching distance, or did you know it was going to be a, a long, hard slog as it ended up turning out to be? Yeah. Um... Luton had beat us twice, I think, if I might think, in, in the league. You know, they definitely beat us. Definitely beat us down at their place. Um, they had a, a kid up front as a Barnes Homer, um, top scorer in the league. We, we knew it was going to be tough. And, um, I think we rode our luck, if I'm honest. But remembering the game, I can't really remember having a chance myself. Uh, they missed a few. I think was it uh, a penalty we got. Yeah, the penalty in, in the in the last minute of extra time, which Briscoe then missed, it was saved by uh, Kevin right. Pilkington, but he managed to bundle in yeah. the rebound. Yeah, that's right. Um, it, I mean, like I say, we rode our luck. I don't even think we played particularly well down there. Um, we, we had a bit of a game plan to try and sort of hold on as long as we could. And uh, to be honest, the game plan worked a treat uh, when you look at it, but we did ride our luck. Yeah, that, that feeling actually when when Louis scored it was probably one of the best feelings I've had in in football the relief. It's certainly one of the best I think we had that season for for a long time because to at that point Mansfield had sort of dropped and dropped and dropped off the radar and it it finally felt like something was was coming back and I just remember I've got the video of it somewhere of the the mm. Stags fans away in that away end packed into that shed away end just singing Kesara Sara. It was an absolutely phenomenal feeling. It must have been for you guys on the pitch as well, because as you say, 180 minutes of football. They got down uh, to nine men. I think they had two That's two nice, red yes. cards. Yeah. It must have been mm-hmm. an absolute sheer relief after all the things which you guys went through. Yeah, um, 
the season itself had been quite draining. Um, I'm not going to lie that a few of the lads were feeling it in, in terms of uh, they played a lot of games. Um, we, we'd been hammered in some games, so the confidence some, it wasn't always there. Um, just to get through at a place like Luton, we, I mean, you need to have a look at what they're doing now, how, how tough it is to go there. It was, oh, it was, it was great. Absolutely, it was uh, one hell of a game. Let's skip forward to the final and then we'll talk about a certain game in between in the league. The trophy final itself, Mansfield Town at Wembley. Had you ever played at Wembley before? I was involved um, at the old Wembley first talk and, uh, and I didn't make the uh, the bench. I warmed up, but I, I hadn't. And, um, and that was the first time I'd actually been involved. So that, that, was, that was good. And I'm right in thinking as well uh, that in the lead-up to the game, you were extremely doubtful to, to play in that one, what with uh, injuries and what have you, but you managed to, to pull through and end up playing from from what seemed from the stands, pay, playing through the absolute pain barrier of pain barriers that game in the final. I'd, yeah, well, I wasn't playing up until the morning. Uh, I didn't even think I was playing on the morning. I, I'd done a fitness test. I, I knew I was struggling. Um, you know, Duncan actually pulled me in his, in his room. And um, I think at the time we had one fit forward. I think Danny Mitchley was the only fit forward. We'd, we'd gone into the final bare bones. Um, we'd had a couple of lads gone on loan. I think it was Luke Medley had gone on loan or something like that. He couldn't play. Um, so we had no strikers. And, and Duncan just said, no. Oh, how about you get an injection? Um, try and kill the pain, and, uh, and and so I'll have to start you if you're going to be involved because I can't put you on as a sub and break down and then come back off because you're going to be going to be useless really. You're a sub down. Um, so I, I hadn't trained for three weeks leading up and I got an injection. To be honest, I'll always be grateful for to to Duncan for that for giving me the the, the sort of the, the chance um, to play at Wembley like you did. Um, in, like they say, I'll, ne- I'll never forget that. I don't know what was in the injection, but it must have been something good because I seem to remember you had one of your best Mansfield games. You did everything but score. Yeah, it was. I think the adrenaline, to be honest, as well. I mean, if you can't uh, play through the pain in, in a, when there's, I think, was it 22,000 Mansfield fans there? Yeah. And, and sort of 10, 15 Darlington fans, if I remember rightly. Um, it was just the best. I know the result didn't go away, but that feeling walking out, um, even warming up, was unbelievable. It's something you'll never get back, isn't it? So It certainly is. And looking back on, on, on that as well, not training for three weeks before, there was a keeper crisis as well, because I think David Groff, something to do with his, his loan agreement or something, That's he, he right. couldn't we'll play. We were bare bones. We really were. It was um, unreal. We, we, we've gone in the final. We were a bit of a mess. Just no, no fault of anyone's. It was just a long sort of season. We didn't have the biggest squad anywhere. Um, we, we probably maybe two or three quality players short going into it. Um, but the, the, the lads who went that just went out there. I mean, they all were all in tears after the game. They, they, they did give it their all. Um, Steve Foster, one of the hardest men I've, I've played with, um, crying his eyes out in the changing room, couldn't speak. Um, Tom Nailer. Local lad, absolutely devastated. Uh, Duncan couldn't speak. It, honestly, it was. It was horrendous after the game. I mean, in that manner, um, you're thinking about your penalty. To be honest, um, everyone. I think everyone was. I think we should have had a penalty in the game. Looking back at it, before the goal, Ashley Kane got brought down. I, I watched the highlights, but just one of them days. It wasn't to be. How different it could have been that year as well. It, it just seems like that's that's the thing with Mansfield, especially at that time. We'd always get so far, and then somebody would just come along and just pull the rug from underneath us. What a what what an experience! But I think from all of us, obviously, you finished with with five goals in that. I think without your goals, you wouldn't have given us that. And I think I speak for all of us around this table where I say that getting to Wembley that year after everything that the club had gone through felt like the start of something and I think the journey we've been on since then has been absolutely phenomenal so without your goals you wouldn't have given us that chance so I think I speak from for every Stegson when I say thanks for sticking in those five goals on route to Wembley just a shame you, you couldn't make it six yeah I appreciate that no that, that means a lot because it's, yeah, it was a nice time for me um I just remember the, the whole memories of building up to that Wembley final some of the games were, were excellent so that, that does mean a lot some of them were excellent. Some of them in the league weren't so excellent. It's time to talk about 
that game. I'm going to come to uh, to Nathan first. The Tyrone Thompson own goal. Is that the, the best own goal you've ever seen or the worst moment in Mansfield Town history? Well, just to, um, to, to give uh, um, Paul a little bit of detail. So I, I'm completely blind, but I haven't always been. Uh, and back then, I could see. And unfortunately, this is something that I can't forget. And I try and, try and forget this visual memories. And this is one of them that just won't get out of my mind whenever I can think. Whenever someone makes an own goal, that one comes to mind. So, uh, yeah, I can remember oh. it, unfortunately. And, uh, <laughs> but it's one of them, that's, isn't it? That's, it's can, football. I, can I stop you there? I can't remember it. I, I know it was horrendous. Did he kick it off his own face or something? It, or, it, or it came... Back? It's I can't a, remember it. It was a deep cross from the, the far right-hand side from Hayes and Yedden. He, he was playing right back that game. And he went to mm. sort of scoop the ball away, but he misjudged it completely and curled it into yeah, the top yeah. corner. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great finish, oh. but in the wrong net. <laughs> it was unreal. And I think there's a probably right. there's a probably another reason why you don't remember it because I, I'm not entirely sure that you were on the pitch at that point because you, you got sent off that there. game. I did, and you, you talk about that game, and it was just horrendous. Um, it was horrendous to play, and I think the build-up. I think we travelled down on the day, if I remember rightly, stuck in traffic. Just everything about the day was was horrendous. Um, we had a young lad, uh, Connor Higginson. Yeah, remember that? Remember Connor? Yeah. Um, he made his debut. He, he was probably. He won't mind me saying it, it was possibly one of the worst debuts I've seen. Um, he's had a good non-league career after that, by the way. But. Uh, I got sent off. I'd lost my head. I'd lost my head. Um, we, I think we're three or four nil down at half time. Uh, I just, I, can't, I think I smashed the centre half with an elbow. I just lost my head. It was terrible. <laughs> Is that the the only time you've been sent off, or had you had a few before that? I, I, I think it was about three times in my career. Um, so not not a lot, but that particular game, um, everything was was just terrible. It was one of the worst performances I think I've been involved in. Um, that's how that's how bad it was. Did he get? I've been involved in some bad ones as well. <laughs> Did he get much stick, uh, Tyrone, after by the lads in that game, or was it very much the same feeling as yourself? It was one of those games which we never want to talk about ever again. Yeah, it was. It was, sim- it was I, I think, if I remember right, Russ had us in the dressing room for about an hour afterwards. Um, more or less saying, question you, just question your life, lads. Have a look at yourself after that, because that is just nowhere near the standards. Of, uh, of Mansfield Town and, and I, th- I think Tyrone's goal is probably you had to laugh to be honest once you we do. got on the bus because it just summed up a terrible day you do and I guarantee once you once we've ended this tonight I guarantee the first thing you'll do is go straight to YouTube and watch it back what <laughs> what, what a finish I will because I can't remember it <laughs> absolute quality finish if it had been at the other goal other end it would have been the goal of, of the century it would have been the goal of the season absolutely uh, to- top class Unreal. Uh, let's move on to uh, towards the the end of that season. Obviously, it finishes at Wembley. Duncan Russell, unfortunately, relieved of his duties. I think that was probably ex- expected. New new season, new era, new broom. Lots mm-hmm. of players uh, depart. Paul Cox comes in as manager. You're one of very few who stay at the club. What was it uh, about that? We was there a potential for a for a move there, or were you always going to stay and give it a go, or? Yeah, as far as I was concerned, I loved it. I was um, I travelled with Mazza, me, me, uh, Alan, uh, really good friends. Uh, he, I think he had another year as well. He stayed on after me, didn't he? he did. um, so we were all up for it. I went and met Paul Cox in the in the summer. I sort of knew though. I had it in the back of my mind it was going to be a challenge for us. I was thirty two, thirty three. Some of the names he was getting linked with, um, he, I knew he liked a certain type of centre forwards. Um, and I just knew it was going to be tough. Um, I actually started the season for him. You did. Um, scored in the first game, but I was in and out after that. But um, I, I can't fault Paul for that. He had his own ideas. So. And I think on on that as well, obviously, the way in which you departed, because you'd been taken to heart by the Stags fans, it was one of the departures which none of us wanted to see. But I think the way you handled it was absolutely top class coming out and, and saying the things like I'm obviously not getting near at the start at the moment I don't think that you can be able to continue to carry on I've got to look at going part time was was that a massive thing for you to do considering the way that you, you'd come to the club and the way the fans are taking you to heart 
Yeah, it was. I'd, I'd sort of, I'd love my time there. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, it was actually me. I wasn't playing, and Paul probably would have kept us till the end of the season, cause just because I'd, I'd sort of added a bit of experience to the to the sort of young lads he was signing. Cause was a couple of lads from non-league, wasn't there? Um, and he, and he would have he would have just kept me, but I didn't want just sort of for along. I wanted to go and play, and I actually called Paul and, and said, "Look, Paul, I'm." Uh, I think it's probably about the time, right time to, to, to sort of move on. I've had this offer to go part time, and I think it's the right time. And um, it all it all happened really nice, you know. It was nothing nothing bad about it. It was just uh, just the right time. It all it all seemed very sort of professional and and and, and a very somber end to uh, to what it was and, and things like that. And do you ever look back and think, you know, obviously we made the playoffs that year. Do you think you'd, you'd have managed to, to find a look in the end or, or do you still stick by it? It was the right thing to do. Um, I mean, there's always that part of you thinking, what if, you know, what if? Because um, when I look at the success that they had, um, it, it sort of kicked on. Did they win the league the season after? They did, that? yeah. Was they it, did, yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's always that part of you think, I wish I'd sort of give it another go, but... Hey, what, what can you do? You know, it's, uh, it's, that's life. It's, uh, just move on, don't you? But it, I've always followed the club. Um, I think it's probably going to be always be like that, really. Fantastic stuff. It's it's great to hear as well that former players do still sort of keep an eye on it and keep it close to the heart. It's a, it's a really uh, positive thing for for us as fans, especially in nowadays nowadays day and age. Players tend to come for a season, then move on, and always talk badly of managers and and things like that. So it's a it's it's a very humbling thing to hear. I'm going to talk about one last thing uh, before we move on to to the the, the aforementioned quiz, uh, which I'm I, I know you've been dreading for the past forty minutes. Um, well. There was one member of your squad who didn't didn't particularly follow the same route as others post football. Some go into coaching, some go into management, some even physiotherapy, maybe a little bit of punditry and things like that. One player though fancied becoming a reality TV, and I use the term lightly, star in Ashley Kane. Mm-hmm. What was what, what was he like? Um, uh, do you know what? He was a, a, a he is. Now, I haven't seen him for a few years, but uh, a really, really nice kid. Um, but he always had that uh, inner belief, shall we say, self confidence, bit of a strut about him. Yeah, awesome, horrendous gear. He was, he, well, I mean, I was what nearly fifteen years older than him, you know. So wasn't my taste. But he wasn't bothered. He was. He was a good kid. Um, what I liked about him as well, he he came and asked for advice. Um, he, did, he never thought he was too big to sort of uh, not ask for things, and uh, I like that about him. He had a bit of uh, bit of humbleness about him. It was very involved with the uh, the song towards Wembley. I think we we called it Black and Yellow or something. We did a bit of a <laughs> bit, bit of rap. Were you, well, that was him. Were you yeah, approached to to be on that or? Um, no, and, and to, to be honest, I think looking at the, the squad we had, there was plenty more ahead of me. Uh, small suited to the role, to be honest. People like Smithy, I think they were queuing up. Uh, uh, Ashley, as you mentioned, uh, even Tyrone, I think they loved a bit of rapping, didn't they? The, the, the lads like that, they were really good at it, so they, they loved it. Um, so I was, I was pleased, to be honest. Was, uh, I might have spoiled it. What, what, what did you make of it when you heard it? Just good, just good fun. Um, it just it sort of uh, give it that good feel that you're going to Wembley. You know, it was um, like I say, not my taste, but uh, I think the fans quite enjoyed it, didn't they? Uh, well, let's that, let's put it to the test. Simon, you're the oldest in 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 this group. Thanks. Um, um, won't reveal your age, but it's top end of eighty. I've not seen him for months. I've not had a chance to hammer him. I do apologise. What did you make of it back in the day? Was it your your tune? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but hey ho, the each to their own. <laughs> each to their own. What did you prefer? Something a little bit more traditional, like Elvis. Bit bit, bit rockier for me. Bit rockier for you, Nathan. What about you? Were you singing? Like, I seem to remember we used to do a radio show back in back in in those days. At the same time, you used to ask me to play it quite a lot, which used to annoy me. I think you're imagining things here. I don't think I quite did. It might have been Cam, actually, thinking about it. Oh, no, I wasn't around at this point. <laughs> Who was it then? It, it, it was somebody who was a Stags fan. I forget. I'm, I'm getting old as well, too. Yeah. But... 
Yeah, you're 76, aren't you? Yeah, so <laughs> still behind you, though, by a long chalk. <laughs> so what did, you, what did you actually make of it, Nath, the, the proper critique? It was okay. It was okay. <laughs> it was and okay. That's all I can, all I can say. But it, the, the, it was the, the whole emotion around it, I think. I mean, the fact that um, you're always making songs means you're, you're doing something right, as in on the, on the pitch, as in there's something coming up, as in a Wembley final. So that's the main point, isn't it? Uh, it certainly is. Cam, what about you? Was it was it on your iPod Shuffle I can or honest, Walkman? I can honestly say it wasn't, but I suppose it's it's the whole <laughs> it's like it's the whole town got behind the team, and it was something that we'd not seen for absolute years. And obviously, going through all the hard stuff um, the season before, and then the, the begin uh, halfway through that season, being locked out of the ground, nowhere to play. Fortunately, we had so many games postponed that season because of the bad weather. So fortunately, we only ended up missing like one game at home. I think that was probably the workshop game. It was indeed. And well remembered. It was supposed to be a home game, but we played it away. But that was played at Ilkeston because workshop didn't have a ground either. Very weird Something times. Mad like that. But the town was behind everyone. They were behind the team. And obviously, we backed them in numbers, travelling down to Wembley. Many, 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 many coaches filling a car park. And just had that bit of belief behind the team. And... No, it no, it didn't happen. But we got there. Obviously, the the playoffs the following season. The numbers start. This is where everything started to sort of snowball. It. This is where everything started to go right. Obviously, Wembley didn't quite get there. Playoffs didn't quite get there. Promotion winning, and then we've gone even further since then. So you're saying the song started it all? Yeah, just just <laughs> it was just. <laughs> Madness. It, was, it was such a good song. No, Sheer it madness. Right it, no, it's, it, it, it didn't start it all. It, it really didn't. But it, the tune is in my head, so I am after gonna have, I'm going to have to YouTube this and Tyrone Thompson's own goal at, at some point. Well, we've given Paul uh, a couple of minutes to uh, have a little rack of his brains and make some notes because it is that time in the show where we put Paul under the spotlight and, and do Nathan's favourite feature. It is the quiz. You've been looking forward to this one, Nathan, haven't you? I have. That helps, Cam, if you turn his microphone Sorry. on. It's, I, say, I, I, say, I have been looking forward to it, especially because I'm not in the hot seat. So yeah, you hate the it. quiz when you are in the hot seat. One of these days, I'm going to turn it back on you. Uh, Paul, I'm going to explain how it works uh, for you. Basically, you're going to face 10 questions all against the clock. So, Cam, you might want to get a stopwatch ready. You know, this, this is your role as producer. You're supposed oh, to be there. Uh, <laughs> you're going to answer 10 questions against the clock. You are looking to get the most correct answers in the quickest time. If you get an answer wrong, it's plus five seconds to your total time. If you pass, it's plus ten. So it's worth a go, even if you don't know. And yes, I'm going to try and make this a catchphrase for the rest of the, this, this series. Uh, the time will start after I've asked you the first question. Uh, I'll run through uh, some of the scores um, so far. There might be a few names that you recognise in here, Paul. Uh, currently leading the way, uh, John Delaye, 1 minute 43, 9 correct answers. Mickey Bolding, 8 in 1 minute 38. Richie Barker... In one John, in... John Delaria is a teacher, by the way. He, he is, yeah. We had him on, yeah. on an episode last year. He's yeah. a maths teacher, yeah. which is going to be quite ironic when it comes yeah. to the end of this, which you'll find he out. lives at the bottom of Mass Street. And lives at the bottom yeah. of Camp Street. Yeah. Yeah. It's a small world, isn't it? Small Very world. Yeah. Uh, for, Great those, Great for those who've missed it as well, uh, Richie Barker, 7 in 137. Ian Bowling, 7 in 139. So it's very tight in there. Uh, Martin Ryan, I think, believe believe he got six. I can't remember his time, though, because I've not written it down. Uh, Stuart Watkins, 6 in 142. Bobby Hassel, 6 in 149. Adam Murray, 6 in 154. And Paul Cox, with the worst score of all, 5 in 2 minutes 24. Obviously, you mentioned uh, John Delaye, Adam. Uh, you will have known Adam Murray and Paul Cox uh, as well. Where are you looking to, to get if you're using those three uh, as a gauge, Paul? Where are you looking to get? Well, I'm just looking. Uh, they were, the, they were. Are they questions about the club? Is it? Yeah? Questions about your oh, time oh, at the club? Time, yeah. yeah, your time at the yeah, club. They, yeah. It was a long time ago, wasn't it? Um, I'll be in the middle of the road, to be honest. Um, yeah, like I say, I, I think yeah, mid-table would do me with this one because there's some some good lads there. Yeah, John Delia, as you say, no wonder he's a teacher. He was absolutely rapid. It's unreal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right then, 10 questions against the clock. Uh, five seconds, plus five seconds for a wrong answer and ten plus 10 seconds if you pass. So worth a go if you don't know. The timer will start after I've asked the first question. Paul Connor, are you ready to face the Stag Stories It's All About You quiz? Let's have a go then. Come on. Here we go. Paul Connor, against which side did you make your debut for the Stag? Start the clock. Forest Green. You played under three managers during your tenure. Name them, all three, please. 
Uh, David Oldsworth, Duncan Russell, Paul Cox. During your time with the club, the Stags suffered an embarrassing defeat at Hazen Yedin, a game which you were sent off in. What was the full-time score? 4-1. Ask Gurley. Ask Gurley is an anagram of which of your former teammates? Stevie Eisner. Mansfield somehow reached the FA Trophy final held at Wembley, but whose rebounded goal in the semi-final second leg at Luton ultimately got you there? Louis Briscoe. I play midfield, can operate at right back and also scored the best own goal of football's ever seen. Who am I? Tyrone Thompson. How many goals did you score in the Stags FA Trophy run? Three, five or seven? Five. What was the name of your teammate who couldn't play in the FA Trophy final due to competition rules about loans, despite a handful of brilliant displays between the sticks? David Groff. Which of your former teammates became a reality TV star on X on the Beach? Ashley Kim. And you scored your first you scored the first goal of the Paul Cox era after how many minutes? Uh, two. Stop the clock. Oh that was that seemed quick. I'm gonna to go to Simon and Nathan to talk about how quick that was. Simon, you will remember the John Delia one. This is why I try and add up, by the way. How rapid was that? <laughs> that was rapid. That that was very quick. Uh, but I'm not sure how well it's done, to be honest. I, I I was trying to count how many I thought was right. I mean obviously I don't know all the answers, but I came to eight or nine, so I think he's right up there. Yeah. That is a it's a good shout. It was quick. And a lot of right answers, so there shouldn't be many penalties in there. It's going to be interesting. Paul, how do you think you did? Uh, there's a couple wrong there, I know that. Um, I don't know. You were, you, were, you were so unlucky on, on one of them. We'll run through the answers in a minute, but I can reveal... It was a three-minute three bath. Well, you were, you were, all right, you were so close on two of the answers then. Uh, we'll, come, we'll come to those uh, in a second. Uh, first and foremost, though, without the penalties, you got 1 minute 18, plus 15 seconds for the three wrong answers uh, is a time of 1 minute 33, which gives you seven correct answers in 1 minute 33, which puts you, it's in quickest time, so it actually puts you in third place at the moment on our leaderboard. So fantastic! That. That's that's re- that's a, a really good achievement. Some of these I'll questions are rock hard. Uh, let's go through the three questions which you got wrong, and we'll ask the boys to see if they knew as well. So Simon, I'm going to come to you for the the first one. Uh, it was during Paul's time with the club. The Stag suffered an embarrassing defeat at Hazen Yedin, a game in which he was set off uh, sent off in. What was the full time score? Was it four 0 It was four 0 Paul said four one in that one. Yeah. Didn't get one in that game. We never got near anywhere near goal. We just put them in our no, own goal. I don't know why I said one, yeah. <laughs> Panic. We'll give, you, we'll give you that one. Panic. Uh, I'm going to come to Nathan for the next one because I know he hates the anagrams and this one's the anagram question. Uh, so I'm going to come to Nathan for it. Ask Gurley. Ask Gurley is an anagram of which of Paul's former teammates? You, you probably want... should ask Gurley because I don't know. Do you want a clue? He's got no hair, but we don't care. Oh, Gary Silk. What a legend. Gary, Gary Silk was, uh, was, was the answer to that one. Uh, and the final one, uh, you alluded to it earlier. You scored the first goal of the Paul Cox era after how many minutes? You said two. The answer was three. So we've yeah, got to be strict on this. Great, Some great answers in, in there as well, though. Fantastic stuff. Uh, and it's put you right up there on the leaderboard. So we'll see if anybody can uh, knock you further down the table. Uh, later on in the series that's almost uh, all the things we've got time for but we always throw it open to our guests there are plenty of players which you've, you've spoken about in passing and things like that any stories that you want to reveal about certain players or, or anything during your time at the club which you want to you, you want to put out there Martin Riley went for the jugular last time with, with so many different stories is there any from the, the, the Paul Connor vault Put, you've put me on this. What did Rails talk about? Was it nights out and things like that? Was it? Nights yeah. out. He, there was a. I don't know if you'd have been there for it. There was a, a tunnel of death one where they basically abused the youth team. Spoke about uh, shaving people in in dressing rooms, bricks through windows, that sort of thing. Anything carnage. Anything naughty. There wasn't. I mean, the only thing was probably the. I can't even remember too many nights out. I think a lot of the lads sort of travelled from here and everywhere. Um, the only thing I really remember skating this was like a real heavy night out. Um, and that, yeah, that was probably it. Now, the stories, 
was sort of limited because of the fact that everyone was that drunk. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you put me on the spot with that one. I'd have to. Apart from Mazza, I suppose Mazza, uh, he was um, used to travel me a lot. I've never known a man sleep as much as him. Um, I don't know whether that was me talking or what. I started to get a bit insulted by it when I was driving. He'd sleep for the full hour. Um, so I think yeah, I think it was a little bit of laziness in Mazza as well. I don't think he liked training much. Certainly, well, yeah, Nathan's just said that's why exactly why he's a goalkeeper. Certainly made up for it on the pitch there with the numerous fine displays, an absolute legend in the end. And I, I don't think it would it would have been after you'd left, to be fair, I think, when he made the pink shirt famous. He basically changed his kit or somebody changed his kit from the traditional goalie shirt. He ended up wearing luminous a luminous pink, pink shirt and then uh, towards the back end of the season we played Wrexham and he scored from his own box. He lobbed the, uh, right, the Wrexham yeah, keeper did, live on yeah, TV. Yeah, he, he, he did. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I'm sure he put it on Twitter quite a few times. He oh, a there's a gif of it and everything. It, it, it's absolutely brilliant. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, that Great is... Lad. That is pretty much all we've got time for. Uh, we really do appreciate your time with us, Paul. Um, we will have more Stag Stories uh, episodes and, and more content for you very, very shortly indeed. Before we go, though, just while Paul is on the line, guys, we've had a really insightful uh, look into Mansfield Town's history tonight, haven't we, Nath? Yeah, and I think um, for me, the standout bit is probably hearing about the, the Wembley journey. I think... You know, when you think back now, um, especially, you think like, can you fit FA Trophy? You know, it's not a big cup and everything like that. And, you know, that's what you say when you want to be sort of um, confident in yourself that you're a league, league club now and all that. But actually, at the time when we was in such disarray as a club and the position we was, that, you know, we spoke about it earlier, it genuinely was the start of, of everything. And it probably was the first sort of positive thing in the club that we had for, for such a long time. So... It's it's really good to sort of when he was talking about, you know, that sort of feeling about being on the pitch. It sort of gave me a little bit of goosebumps really, just thinking back. Well, it was more that like Luton game and when that goal went in, trying you know remembering being in the stand and I must have only been fifteen, sixteen, something like that at the time. Um, you know, just really good memories. And like I say, we've we've got a, we've gone a long way since then, but you shouldn't ever forget where we was at the same time. I think Nathan's absolutely said it all there, hasn't he, Sam? Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Does that a lot. Does that a lot. It's been fantastic. Si, any uh, reflections on uh, tonight's episode, the stories which uh, you've heard from Paul? The, the punch up in Skegness was an eye-opener because I didn't know about that one, to you, be honest. Have you been living under a bush? What? I've got twins. Uh, you can't blame fatherhood for not for not knowing. There must be a spare five minutes when you get to watch these episodes. Not anymore. We're going to have to suspend you from Series 3. <laughs> Cam, what about you, yourself? Obviously, it was the start, pretty much, of, of your Stag's journey. Um, just hearing about all the all the backroom stuff, obviously, like, I was... When all this started, I'd have been eight or nine when all this started kicking off with the whole Haslam thing and... and and obviously Oldsworth was probably the longest reigning manager that I've ever seen, probably close to Paul Cox. And um, just seeing the constant flow of players coming in and out, it was like, what, what, what's going off? It's like, I'm not used to this, what's going off? And obviously now hearing the stories behind it, why things had happened, it's a little bit like, well, at least I understand what now what actually happened. It's brought a bit more context. Yeah, because I'd, I'd literally been eight or nine. Fantastic. Well, that's so, all that we're after on uh, the Mansfield Matters podcast, getting the stories from the players and the people involved. I've been Craig Priest. Alongside me tonight has been Nathan Edge, Simon Mercer, Cam Felton, and joining us uh, on the phone for the past hour or so has been Paul Connor. As we always do, we'll leave the final words, the final reflections on his time and message for the fans, that sort of thing, uh, to our guest tonight, Mr Paul Connor. Paul. Yeah, um... I was just thank you for the, for the support when I was there. Um, really sort of enjoyed my time. Really felt a, a bond, and never once felt sort of um, that I wasn't wanted at the club, which is which is quite rare for a player. Um, loved it. Just good luck in the future. I'll always follow. I'll always follow the, the success of the club.
Thanks very much to Paul Connor for sharing his stag stories and thanks very much for you guys listening at home as well. Don't forget to share it on social media, facebook.com forward slash MTFC Matters and we are at MTFC Matters on Twitter. You can check out more on our website now at mtfcmatters.co.uk and if you head to our podcast stream as well and click subscribe on all good podcast apps, you'll find a little mini bonus episode recorded before this stag stories episode with myself, Nathan, Cam and Simon. The regular Mansfield Matters podcast will be back in around three weeks time as John Dempster prepares to lead the Stags into League 2. This is Stag Stories, the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield matters. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.